What's up, guys? How we doing? You good? Are you well? You look good. I hope you feel good. Hey, I have a little cold tonight, so I just want to apologize right now if I sound like nasally. That's just my bad. I, I'm, I got a cold. What can you do? I, Johnny, is there like a, a secret button you can push to make me sound a little bit more like Darth Vader and a little less like, like a chipmunk or something? A little more like Mufasa, a little less like Sam Schauberg. Sorry, Sam. I lost a bet. I lost a bet. I was supposed to rag on you in my sermon, and so that was my uh, first attempt at that, so I apologize. Hey, turn to your, find the buffest looking guy around you and say, hey, bro, do you even lift? Let's do that. Shouldn't you be in the gym training right now? <laughs> All right, I'm excited. You guys seem fired up. This is good. It's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night at church. Anybody have their Bibles in here? If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles on your phone, that's awesome. Grab those. Go ahead and go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I just want to read those really quick before we get going um, to give you a little bit of context on the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. It's kind of like one of the, the, the great mysteries of the Bible. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Nobody knows. God knows. And the guy who wrote it, he probably knows, but nobody else knows. But we do know who he wrote it to, the Hebrews, right? <laughs> Theology is so easy, to the Hebrews. And basically, this was a group, a, a very small minority um, in the middle of big, bad Roman Empire, all right? So a group of Christians who are faced with crisis on every side, or so it seems, a group of people who are trying really, really, really hard to be Christians in a world that is very, 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 very not Christian. Does that sound familiar to anybody else in the room? So Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, we're just going to read two verses. Here we go. Therefore, and real quick, that therefore is therefore a reason. It's referring back to Hebrews 11, which we're going to read in just a second. Therefore, we are surrounded, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes, fix your eyes on that phrase, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I love these verses. So if you're taking notes tonight and if you want to get on God's good side so he'll bless the Broncos this year, I hope you're taking notes. I'm kidding. That's not how Christianity works. Thank God, or else we'd all be screwed. But he won't love you any less if you don't take notes. Four out of five theologians agree on that. Um, he can't love you less, but, but I can, so take notes. If you're taking notes tonight, here's the title. The view is better when you look up. The view is better, man. It's just better when you look up. There's the title. You guys excited for church? Ready to have some fun tonight? Ready to get real? We can get real in church tonight. Let's pray. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, I, I know from wrestling so much with this message this week, God, I know that this is straight from you, and I know that this is timely for tonight. And so what I pray for every set of ears in this room, my, mine included, God, that you would, you would let us hear, like really hear tonight what you want to say, and you would let our hearts really feel the weight of your word tonight, God. Shut out all the distractions right now in the name of Jesus. We give this night to you and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, where are my uh, Colorado hiking enthusiasts at in this room? Oh, yes, I'm about to make fun of you for the next 60 seconds, so just sit tight. 
Just sit tight. And I've earned the right because I may see you buff straight out of Boulder. You know those five-finger toe shoes? I bought those the day after they came out and hiked 14ers in them. So I've earned this right. My Colorado hiking enthusiasts, you live and breathe to walk uphill for extended periods of time. You and your long socks and short shorts. Sam Schalberg, I'm talking to you again. With your indestructible Nalgene water bottles that you got with your co-op REI card. You work like one shift a week at Trader Joe's just so that you can make your own trail mix on discount. You refuse to drink anything that hasn't first been poured into a mason jar. You have protein bars made out of crickets. Anybody have those? And other locusts, which by the way in the Old Testament were considered a plague. You love coffee, but now it's way too mainstream and you can't drink it and that just kills you. It kills you. <laughs> With your native sunglasses and your native bumper sticker on your Subaru, which is one of 12 bumper stickers that you have on your Subaru. And you and your buddies hike for like eight hours into the middle of nowhere and set up hammocks and tie a slack line between two trees just to practice balancing while you go over your playbook for intramural ultimate frisbee. Bam! I'm feeling sassy tonight. I am, uh, <laughs> that's five years of pent-up material from Boulder. Just, this is healthy for me just to get out. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a good sport, you guys. I appreciate that. But I'm not a big hiker. Maybe you figured that out just now. Um, I wish I was, but uh, no, I don't wish I was. That was a lie. Um, <laughs> Back in college, I used to like muster the effort to like fake enthusiasm because for some reason I thought it was like more righteous to get up early on a Saturday morning and walk around exhausted in the forest than it was to sleep in. And now I know better. I feel like God was like, dude, it's Saturday. Go back to bed. Sleep in. What are you doing? I'm not even awake yet. You should not be awake yet. But here's an observation about hiking that I think we can all agree on. When you hike, the majority of the time you look down, right? You look down at the trail, at the dirt, at the rocks, so that you don't trip on a rock and fall and die. Like that Mean Girls quote, don't have sex, because if you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> Stay tuned for our relationship series after the retreat. <laughs> Kidding. When hiking, look down, don't look up, or you will trip on a rock and fall off a cliff, and you will die. And if you don't die, the wolves will get you. If they don't get you, the bears will, or the dragons. I don't, I don't know what's out there. There's, there's crazy stuff out there. <laughs> you look down more than you look up unless you're like REI gold member and you're a professional you can walk up and down a mountain while taking in the views but you look down way more than you look up but the point of hiking the reason you do it is to look up the reason that you do it is so that you can understand and realize that you're in the middle of the beauty of creation so that you can take in the views looking down is no fun Sometimes it's necessary, but looking up is what it's all about. The view is better when you look up. See what I did there? I tied hiking into the title. The view is better when you look up. And the author of Hebrews is saying the exact same thing to us. I want you to see this. He's writing to a group of distracted and discouraged Christ followers, reminding them of where they should be looking, saying, hey, you're running your race right now. There's a lot of things distracting you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. There's a lot of things scaring you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Oh, you're a Christ follower in 50 AD? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Oh, you're a Christ follower in 2016 and things are a little scary right now? The view is better when you look up. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, who, like we've been saying this whole series, is on his throne right now. In a year from now, no matter what happens, he's still going to be sitting on his throne, sovereign over everything, in control, not surprised by anything the world throws at him, not surprised by anything you do. In a year from now, he's still going to be so glad and so happy that he gave his life to save you, to adopt you, and to seal you in it by putting his Holy Spirit inside of you. That's the Jesus Christ that is on his throne. The view is better when you look up maybe you know these things maybe you don't either way here's a reminder that life is better when you remember that faith makes more sense when you look up not fixed on the rocks not fixed on if you're going to trip not fixed on the trail but fixed on the view the view is better when you look up fixed on your savior the author and the perfecter of our faith and that's what hebrews 12 it's about so many things but that was the one thing i just felt was so timely to zero in on tonight fix your eyes on jesus christ the author and the perfecter of our faith that's hebrews 12 like we just read it begins with a therefore which means it's referencing referencing back to hebrews chapter 11 the previous chapter and, and hebrews 11 is a very very famous chapter in the Bible for good reason. It's epic. We're going to read it tonight, but you should go read it again on your own time because it's all, it's all about faith. It says, faith is living with confidence that God is going to do what he promised to do. That's what faith is. And faith, and, and living by faith is living like you have confidence that a specific event took place. Namely, Jesus going to the cross and dying, being put into a grave, but three days later standing up and walking out of that tomb. That's the event that we put our confidence in. That's what we're sure of. Somehow, even though none of us witnessed it, we have faith that it happened. And what's comforting is that Hebrews 11, it, 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 takes, it takes us kind of a walk through history and shows us that there's pockets of people all throughout history, just like this pocket of people in here, who went before us. And through that faith, they did incredible things to change the world. They lived by faith in an event that they never saw, and they never got to see it. They died before they saw Jesus come. But they changed the world in doing so. And I want to read this to you. What I want to do, I'm going to read most of Hebrews 11 out of the message version. And I thought it would be kind of just different and cool and maybe powerful if, we, if you guys just kind of close your eyes. And not just, like, not just listen to this, but kind of try to picture it. Really try to hear this and feel what the, author, what the author of Hebrews is saying. So here's Hebrews 11. Go ahead and close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. This is going to be good stuff. You don't want to miss it. Starting in verse 1. Here we go. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. By another act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely because he pleased God. And by the way, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. By faith, I love this part, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he could not see, and he acted on what he was told. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. 
His wife, by faith, Baron Sarah, was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, yet they still believed. And how did they do it? They saw it. Off in the distance, they waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for an old country, they'd just go back to that place that they wanted. But they, are far, they want a far better country than that. They want a heaven country. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob on his deathbed blessed each of his sons by an act of faith Joseph while dying prophesied the exodus of Israel by an act of faith Moses parents hid him away for three months after his birth they saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree by faith Moses when grown refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house instead he chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressor in other words, he chose to pay before he played. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls fell flat. By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came from those who refused to trust God. And on and on I could go, but I've run out of time. There are so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms. They made justice work. They took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, from fires, from sword thrusts. They turned disadvantage into advantage. They won battles. They routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. And then there were those who under torture refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, a resurrection. Other bra others braved abuse and whips and yes, even chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, stories of those who were sawed into two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world did not deserve them. I love that. Making their way as best as they could on the cruel edges of the world. And not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. You can open your eyes. Here's what, yeah, agreed. I agree. Here's what he's saying. All of them died before they got to see Jesus. And then after that, generations of Christians have come and gone without getting to see him come back. And the reason that Jesus has not come back yet, and I think of Peter, James, and John, and the, the disciples, and the early church, and, and how they they kind of thought like Jesus was going to come back a lot sooner than he has so far. But the reason he has not come back yet is because God has something far bigger and more immeasurably massive in mind than we could ever dream of. Back in the day, they thought like, oh, this is just for Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is for the entire world. They thought, oh, this is for Judea and Samaria, and he was thinking, no, 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 this is for the ends of the earth. They were thinking local and domestic. He had some international plans in mind to take this gospel international all around the world. They thought, surely this is like just for our group, Jesus, like the Jews, and he said, no, 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 Jews, Gentiles, kings, 
servants, the rich, the poor, the famous, the faceless, men, women, children, representatives from every skin color, every language, from every generation and every nation. That is God's plan. That's what he has in mind, and it's happening right now. It's happening. This great cloud of witnesses has brought Jesus to Denver, which, which was no easy feat, and it's the only reason that we're sitting in here right now talking about Jesus. And by the way, the only reason that you really know much about the Roman Empire, other than what you learned in sixth grade history class or watching Gladiator, the reason you, you really know anything about Caesar or Pontius Pilate, the reason you heard of him is because those things, those people are mere footnotes in the story of a poor Jewish carpenter who was born into a poor family in the middle of that empire 2,000 years ago. That's the only reason you've heard the name Pontius Pilate or any of the other quote-unquote bad guys from the Gospels. We have this great cloud of witnesses who went before us living like they knew that event actually happened. And whether, whether they saw it or not, they ran their race. They fixed their eyes on Jesus and they ran their race and now by faith we put we put our trust in what we cannot see we fix our eyes on him because the baton has been handed to us therefore since we are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses and and by the way that great cloud of witnesses is even bigger than what we just read in Hebrews chapter 11 because that was Old Testament figures now add in New Testament guys and, and the generations that came after them up until 2016. I think of Stephen back in Acts chapter 7. I think it was the very first martyr for the Christian faith. And he was stoned to death because he would not deny Jesus. And even while they were throwing rocks at him, somehow his view, he was lifting his head up, staring at Jesus the entire time. Paul got beheaded. Peter got crucified upside down. John got boiled alive in oil and I think survived that. James, Jesus' brother, got thrown off the Temple Mount because he wouldn't deny that his brother was God. But he still survived that, and he still wouldn't deny Jesus again, so they stoned him and killed him. Jesus Christ was carried through generations off of the bravery and the blood of men and women all the way to us. And I think about even missionaries, like in the 15th or 16th centuries, Missionaries who faced death and even being burned at a stake so that they could translate the Bible into European languages so that you could have it in your cell phone or sitting on your lap or sitting on your coffee table at home. This great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us with such bravery, running their race, throwing off anything that was going to hinder them and fixing their eyes on something that they could only put their faith in. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses what does the bible say let us run and hide and complain and keep quiet at work and never share our faith and fit in with everybody else and pray only when we need something and read the bible only when it's on the big screen at church and rip into churches for not being perfect and build bomb shelters and buy ammunition and never leave our homes and blame the president blame the future president blame the democrats those liberals blame the republicans it's the conservatives fault blame the system blame our parents sue people hoard our resources build bigger and bigger barns and hope and pray that jesus comes back before november of 2016 because what if we have a leader who that doesn't sympathize with our calling like what, what's God going to do he's going to be so confused if that happens isn't he or does he know is he already in November of 2016 this verse is actually not in the Bible don't worry and I'm on that list I'm on that list and thank you Andy Stanley for that example that I kind of sorry I kind of tweaked it but <laughs> 
There is a cloud of witnesses. And they were a part of a version of Christianity, as Jess said last week, that was tough as nails. That was a part of something so much bigger than themselves. Which leads to all kinds of questions, I think. And here's one, here's one question right here. Like, if that cloud of witnesses could hear your prayers, how would your prayer life change, do you think? I'll make it even more real. And this has been wrecking me all day. If families in Syria right now could hear the prayers that I pray, would they be different? Would they change? Now, I pray for me. I pray for the people around me. I pray for you guys. I pray for YA. But would my prayers maybe grow a little bit more to kind of fit what God is up to in the world? Like, I was th- like if, if a young Syrian guy my age right now is over on the other side of the world and he can't read his Bible, he can't sing, he can't proclaim the name Jesus out loud because he's horrified for his life, what if he could somehow hear my prayers that I pray every night before I go to bed? Man, I want that kind of conviction. What if this great cloud of witnesses could hear our prayers? Because they're cheering us on right now. They see what we do. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and let us fix our eyes on this man right here, this savior of the world, this event, which by the way, actually happened. If that event didn't actually happen, there's no way billions of people know what that is today. If that didn't actually happen, there's no way that he is more famous and powerful than the most powerful empire in the world once was. This event, and I know this is challenging to look at, but Man, you might not be where you want to be, but thanks to this event, you're not where you should be. You're doing better than you think you are tonight because of this right here. And so what keeps your eyes from this event, from fixing your eyes on your Savior, on Jesus Christ? Is it fear Because I know times feel dark right now. And more and more news stories just keep coming out that get us to go from here to, oh my gosh. Fear of more attacks or more shootings or whatever it is, more earthquakes. What takes your focus off of him and onto the things that he is God over? What keeps your mind from that? What keeps your eyes from that? What keeps your hope from that? Two weeks ago, I I talked about um, September 11th, and uh, I made the point that our nation made the very brave decision called hope in the immediate aftermath of that day from hell. And you probably remember what you did that day. I remember I got home from school, and I got a snack, and I sat down at my kitchen table and watched the news for the next, like, four hours, and horrible footage of planes full of moms and dads crashing into buildings full of moms and dads and then those towers collapsing on people and how like when you're 12 when you're any age how do you process stuff like that 
And I remember it was evening, and then my mom came into the living room, and she turned the TV off, and her and my dad got my brother Ryan and I, and they took us to Daniel's Park. You ever been to Daniel's Park? You know what it is? Great date night idea if you're, if you're needing for a date night idea. Write that, write that down. But at Daniel's Park, it's just like this scenic overlook, and my, my parents brought us there, and I remember my mom sat us down on this picnic table outside up on these cliffs facing west, and she said, she said, you guys, like something really bad happened today. Our nation got attacked, and a lot of people lost their lives today, and you need to know that it happened because it's important for us not to be ignorant of the things that happen in the world, so you, and it's good that you saw it. It's good that you saw it, but I brought you here right now to readjust your focus because it's good that you saw that. But she said this. I'll never forget this. She said, guys, I want you to look, I want you to look up. I want you to get your focus up. Get your eyes up. Face them west towards that sunset and remind yourself, who's the boss of this world? Who's in control of this world? Who tells that sun to set every single night? Whose kingdom cannot be shaken? And by the way, whose kingdom are you inheriting one day that cannot be shaken? Fix your, get your eyes up. The view is better when you look up. And I know it's important for us to be aware and not, not play dumb and not be ignorant of the things that happen in this world. But she said, man, get your eyes up. Remember who's in control. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. My mom tells me that all the time, even still to this day, because she, like, I, I deal with a lot of anxiety. And I'll get text messages from her all the time that just says look up look up look up whether that's physically or metaphorically whether it's hey turn off the news and go outside and look up at the stars and remember that the God who hangs those constellations across the galaxy is not panicked by anything right now he's in your tomorrow and he's not worried about your tomorrow Turn off the notifications from your, from your phone and get outside and, and look at the sunset looking at your Bible is looking up Going for a run with worship music in your headphones is looking up. Turn off the news updates. Turn off the notifications for a second and remind yourself that because of the resurrection, problems become opportunities. If you want to write something down, write that down. That problems become opportunities in light of the resurrection. We decided to do this series, A State, state of Hope. Um, for a lot of reasons, I think we were feeling really, really, we were feeling a lot of urgency, not just to remind everybody in this room, to, but, but to prepare, if that makes sense. And I'm not ignorant enough to be the guy that says, like, things have never been this bad. It's worse than ever, because historically, that's just not true. It's been worse than this and darker than this plenty of other times throughout history, and it's gotten brighter following that. But nonetheless, we feel just an urgency to prepare you that as things continue to get darker and the world continues to head in the direction away from God faster and faster and faster and there's more attacks and there's more shootings and more news stories come out every single week to get your eyes up. Look up. See those things Face the facts that it's there. In fact, faith gives us a platform to safely face the facts and not be ignorant of what's happening. Face the facts and fix your eyes on Jesus. Readjust your focus from the things in front of you, from the bad news. And fix your eyes on the one who is sovereign over even the bad news. And as more earthquakes come, like they did a couple nights ago, as groanings get louder, like it says in Matthew chapter 24, as things get darker, 
The view is better when you look up. The view is always better when you look up. Readjust your focus because the resurrection happened. Like those who went before you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes up and keep your eyes up here right now. Focus in on those three crosses because it's gonna get, it's gonna get dark in the room really quick. Can you dim the lights? I want you to notice something. Keep your eyes up here that as it gets darker, this gets brighter, right? The darker the room gets, the brighter the flashlight gets. As it gets darker, the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, shines all the more brighter. So keep your eyes up. It's going to get darker. Keep your eyes up, focused on the cross, and remind yourself that you're his avenue. He's the light of the world, and you're his avenue. His light's access points for a dark world. Hope's access points to infiltrate the rest of the world. Keep your eyes up. You can go ahead and change to the footage real quick. I I saw this on YouTube. Um, last night, and I was reminded, I, I, like, I felt like this was a picture of a very dark world, and then Christians as lights in a dark world, um, as his avenues. He's the light, and he shines through us. We're his vessels for that light. Seeing all over the world that it's dark, but there are pockets of people individually shining bright, and it's amazing What can happen when we do that collectively as a group of Christ followers to keep your eyes up? Because as you fix your eyes on him, that's when you become a vessel for that light. And you just watch as we collectively fix our eyes on Jesus Christ that things will begin. We can bring brightness back to the world. You can go ahead and bring the lights back up. We bring brightness back to the world Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes up. Is it possible to live with a God kind of perspective? I was thinking about this. Like my perspective is like laughable next to God's perspective. Here's how I want to explain that. Imagine you've never read Harry Potter. Unlikely. You've never read it. And then one day you want to. And so you go and you randomly pick one of the books from the series. And then you open it to a random page. And you read three random words in the middle of a random sentence. Then you close that book, then you go visit J.K. Rowling at Starbucks, and over a cup of coffee, you explain to her what the series is about. She's the, she's the writer. From beginning to the end, I know three words. I was thinking, man, that's me sitting next to God. The Alpha and the Omega, he know, he's the author of life. He knows the end from the beginning. I know 1988 to 2016. And even in, like, I know my life and a few current events from 88 to 2016. Is it possible to live with that kind of perspective? Because you know what he sees? He looks at something like this, and he he would see, man, that thing has been spinning on that axis, and it's rotated at least thousands, if not millions of times before you were even born, and, and times have been darker. Years have been scarier than this one. Decades have been with more tension and more discouragement than this one, but we're still here, and he's still sovereign. He's still in control, and salvation is still free for anybody who wants it. He's still in control. So when you question, is it worth it? Is it worth following Jesus right now? Because that question will come up. Is it worth following Jesus right now? Is it worth standing out as a light at the restaurant that I work at when it would be so much more easier just to fit in? Look up. Let a great cloud of witnesses remind you that heck yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. When you question if you're making a difference, is this working? When every friend that you talk to about Jesus just doesn't care and your parents think that you're weird, is it even working? 
I promise you, look ahead believing he's able because one day you're going to look back and see that he's been faithful. You can control only what you can control and then you fix your eyes on Jesus and trust that he is good and that he is going to take care of the rest. Show me a generation that's willing to look up. Show me a generation that, that owns the responsibility of looking up and fixing its eyes on Jesus. Show me a generation that is, that is not afraid to find comfort in the midst of being uncomfortable because we won't take our gaze off of him. And I'll show you a generation that is going to shake history. The rest of the world is full of fear. My eyes are fixed on him, I don't have to be. The rest of the world is critiqueful and just so mad about things all the time. My eyes are fixed on him. I don't have to be. The rest of the world has their eyes so focused and so consumed on the temporary things that are in front of them that one day are going to cease to exist. But my eyes are not focused on the temporary, seeing things in front of me. My eyes are, are looking up, focused on what's unseen, focusing on what is eternal, focusing on what is going to outlive my life. And because of that, I have a perspective that means I can run into the arenas and spaces of our world that everybody else is too scared to run into. In fact, they're running out of them. I can enter into it with my eyes first and foremost fixed on my Savior before the issues, ready to do some damage as an avenue, as a vessel to bring light into this dark world? Is it possible for us to live with our eyes fixed on Jesus rather than financial security? That's important. But first and foremost, Jesus doesn't get in line behind your financial security. That gets in line behind the king of the universe. Is it possible for us to live with our eyes fixed on him rather than our comfort or our safety? To understand that we are hope's access points to the world and say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it to the world. I don't care what I have to lay down. I don't care what I have to shake off, these hindrances I have to put aside. I'm getting hope, I'm getting light, I'm getting love to the rest of the world. And our nation doesn't have a decision to make right now, the body of Christ has a decision to make right now. Your decision, are you gonna play a part in the most epic story that's ever been told, his story? Or is he just gonna play a small part in your individual story? That outside of Jesus is not going to echo into eternity, to quote Maximus. Are you willing to fix your eyes on him and step out of the boat into the unknown? Would you guys stand to your feet right now? Are you willing to fix your eyes on him and step out of the boat into the unknown? God, take me deeper where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Oh, but not really though. It's just a pretty song. I kind of just like to, to sing it. Are you willing to fix your eyes on him and step out of the boat and lean into the unknown? Because let's face it, if you're like me, your default setting when you wake up tomorrow morning is not going to be urgency. It's not going to be action. It's not going to be asking yourself, hey, what can I do for them? Your default setting, my default setting tomorrow morning when I wake up is gonna be complacency. It's gonna be my comfort because I love to be cozy. It's gonna be passivity and it's gonna be, what about me? What can I get from me until I look up? Take my eyes off of the rocks that I'm afraid I'm gonna trip on, that I'm obsessing over, and I look up and the view changes, the view gets much better. And I fix my eyes on the one who started the whole thing, this whole thing his way and wants 
one day soon he's coming back to finish the whole thing his way i'm fixing my eyes on on him on that god and i'm talking myself into action i'm talking myself into urgency i'm talking myself in to loving my neighbor as myself and and one thing we've really been praying that you guys feel with this series is just an ownership that that jesus is not going to show up at your bed every single morning to talk you into it Part of being a mature and Christian is feeling that ownership like, no, I feel passive. That's my default setting. I'm complacent. That's my default setting, but I'm talking myself into it. Just like David over and over again in the Psalms talked himself into it. I'm talking myself into it, man. I'm firing myself up. You spoke these promises over me once upon a time. And by the way, I, I don't mind if you ever do that again. But in the time in between, I can speak it over my own life because it's already been spoken over me. I'm talking myself into it so that I can step out into the elements of the world, into the, the plight of the human condition. And it is a plight to step into that, to do some damage, to push back some darkness, to, to, push, to push back some evil, to join with, with all of you and say, hey, what's up world? We've got a story to tell you and it's a true story and it will change your life. It is a story of hope. It is a story of love. It is a story that is for you. It's a story that you see when you take your eyes off of the things in front of you and you fix your eyes on something bigger than you. You'll be amazed at how much it just clicks. And so, I don't know, there's a lot I want to say, but I feel like, look up, my mom would say, look up. It's going to get darker. It's okay. It's supposed to. Look up. More stuff's coming. More headlines are coming. I promise you that. Don't be ignorant of it, but turn off the news every once in a while and look up. Remind yourself who's in control. Remind yourself who the author and perfecter of your faith is. Right now, we're gonna sing just one more worship song. And um, it's just one song. So I'm like, man, let's just go all out singing this song right now. Why do we sing? Why do we sing? We sing because singing gets our eyes up. And the view is better when you look up. Singing gets our eyes focused on the author and the perfecter of our faith. We sing because we remind ourselves that we're not God. He is. And God, although way more often than I'd like to admit, I live as if I'm the God of my own life. I'm proclaiming to you right now that you're God. You're in control. And I want it that way. I don't want to be in control. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand because I can't do this on my own. Preach, Carrie. That's prophetic for somebody in this room tonight. I promise you. We sing. We sing because he's on his throne. We sing because there's a group of people in Syria right now who can't sing. They don't have the freedom to, and we're their brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. We sing for our brothers and sisters tonight. We sing loud because we can. We sing now, we sing now and we sing loud because the resurrection actually happened 2,000 years ago. It's real. It's a real story, and there's a cloud of witnesses singing along with us. And one day we'll get to sing with them. But right now we sing here and we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Because where two or more are gathered and that's what we have in this room, God shows up in a special way. And where two or more are gathered and there's worship involved and we give him glory, 
Man, you have no idea what he, you have no idea how special something like this is that you as individual avenues of light to the world collectively singing like this as a congregation of young adults all bonded together over one cause, man, that, that exponentially turns into something. Like heaven invades this world tonight through this song. So throw off any hindrance that might be holding you back from just singing as loud as you can. Throw off any hindrance. Run the race with perseverance, fixing your eyes, not on the things in front of you, but up. Because the view is better when you look up on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. And then let's sing. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much and we get our eyes up to you right now, God. We get our eyes onto an event that happened 2,000 years ago. We get our eyes onto the one who is in control. We get our eyes off of our to-do list that we have to do tomorrow get our eyes off of whatever relational things are happening in our life right now that we don't like. We get our eyes off of that. We get our eyes focused onto you. Why, God? Because you're worth it. Why, even when we don't feel it? Because you're worthy. So help my friends in this room tonight. Help me to get my focus up onto you, God. Help me to shake off whatever hindrances might be holding me back. Help me to put to death whatever sin might be so entangling me because there's just no time for it anymore. There's no time for it anymore because this is not just about me anymore. So we sing, God, and we sing loud because you're worth it. We love you so much and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Let's sing.